Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. It's hour number two. Follow this station on Twitter at 937thefan, driven by Shorty Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, locations in North Huntington and the North Hills. And text us on the Edgar Snyder & Associates fan text line, 412-928-9370. Edgar Snyder & Associates reminds you to text responsibly. Also a reminder to join us for the number one Cochrane Sports Showdown. It's each and every Sunday night. 11.35 will be live right after the uh, Super Bowl game. So make sure you uh, tune in for that one. And we have a lot to get into with Jason Mackey, Andrew Filipponi, and Will Graves on my panel tomorrow night after the Chiefs and the 49ers go at it. Our show is brought to you by the good people of Allegheny Health Network, Health for All. PNC Bank, make today the day at PNC Bank. Driven style by number one Cochrane, go one better with number one Cochrane and protected by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. The number to call is 412-928-9370. I've thrown out some hockey topics, like to get your take on that. Jack Partanis on Twitter at KD Pomp says, no one can replace Gensel, but Zucker would be a great fit. Now remember, they tried to get after him last year, and, and that didn't work because Kessel didn't necessarily want to go there. New York still wants too much for Kreider, says Jack Partanis on Twitter. He also says, I like Duclair. Jari should start because of his puck handling skills, which will benefit the defensemen. Need to keep both goalies to make a cup run. And I agree with both of those last two points. Um, you know, the Penguins need depth and goal. Every team does. It's a luxury for them that a lot of teams do not have. Teams trying to get to the playoffs. Look at Philadelphia for a prime example. How many years have they tried to get a, a quality goaltender? And with Carter Hart, they seem to have a young, good one. He got hurt. Now Brian Elliott, they never have stability in goal. And those teams that don't have that typically don't last long in the playoffs. The Penguins have that right now. They also have Casey DeSmith down in the minors just in case, but you never know. You may need all of them like they did in 2016. 412-928-9370. Let's go out to Harry in Aliquippa who joins us right now. Hello, Harry. How are you? I'm doing good, Bob. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for taking my call Mm -hmm. and that you are by far the gold standard in sports media. I just wanted to let you know that. Uh, I I appreciate you saying that. There are a lot of great people here in town, and I'm just – like I said, have fun doing this, but I appreciate that. Thank you. I got you. So I was uh, calling about the, the Antonio Brown thing in the Hall of Fame uh, that I, whenever it, they were even talking about it this week, I found it very interesting because he did create a lot of stats in a short amount of time. So if you look at his playing record, you're like, okay, he could be considered. But look how long the NFL kept T.O. out, and he had the stats and a Super Bowl. Antonio Brown's never been to the Super Bowl, and in every sport, basketball, football, how many championships have you won? So I guess my question to you is, if he's being considered for the for the Hall of Fame, in addition to his um, reputation with the NFL being scarred, how much would it hurt that he did not ever get to a Super Bowl or win one? I think that's a negative. I, yeah, thank you, Harry. I, I, I do. I think that's a negative uh, for him. But I also think you have to look at during his stretch where he had, I think, six straight years. I, I think he was the best receiver in the game consistently. Um I'm not necessarily going to hold the fact that he didn't get there uh, against him myself, only because I think I've always believed that that's such a team thing. And even some of the best players in the game 
don't win Super Bowls. Um, you know, Dan Marino's the biggest example of that, but there are others. The, um, you know, his re- relationship and reputation with the NA, uh, NFL is interesting, although, again, per voting, you don't need to consider any of that. Although I think in the minds of voters, it does affect some. You're not supposed to allow that to come into it. I still think overall he has a very good resume and one that has to be considered. I think he would get in, but I can understand the lack of playoff production, specifically getting to and winning a Super Bowl, how that could hurt him. Let's go to TC in Pittsburgh. What's up, TC? How are you? Hey, Bob. Uh, You know, I wanted to talk about the Pirates this year. And, you know, right now everybody's – talking about, oh, upset with the trade, and they're saying, oh, we're, we're going to lose 90 games. Well, the one thing that I think we need to realize is losing 90 games, if you're sitting there and you're watching inning after inning, it's going to be miserable. I, had, uh, I used to go to a lot of games. I haven't gone to a pirate game since they didn't re-sign half, but in the 2008, 2009, and the next three years, I went to probably 150 games. And I can't tell you how many zeros there would be up there for the Pirates half of the inning and hardly ever a crooked number. I mean, the worst of it was probably like the Barajas year, you know. Mm-hmm. But to sit there, sit there, inning after inning, and, and I mean, it's a beautiful city to look at, but, you know, I I, I would imagine – that the the people that go to games this year, uh, aside from buying packages, they're going to go to game and say, yeah, well, this was nice, but I was bored and I don't want to go anymore. Well, you know, people have their own motivation to do whatever they do. Uh, and I like baseball. I could watch it uh, every day during the I summer. Like I find it too. interesting. I love baseball. But you got to be into it to understand it. And if you go without that knowledge – and that's a discouraging sign for me. When you're not a competitive team, you see fewer and fewer people who go to games and actually watch the game, mark yeah. down what happens in the game, inning by inning. And I know times change and people don't have the attention yeah. span they once did, but you don't see I that anymore. To, they don't sell scorecards. Yeah, if they do, sport, I never see them. Yeah, I was a scorecard guy. I, I get that, you know. But you have to have a team that you're going to want to watch in terms of competing to win. And I think that's the I, I, one thing that I don't want to sit there and and have like it's like when when Andrew first came up, but you had Andrew and maybe Garrett Jones and one other guy, and after those three, and again that was the Barajas Barma stuff. After those three, you had to wait like two more innings before any any action would happen. And yeah, pitchers' duels are great if you have good seats. Well, whatever. I mean, it, 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 you sound to see like a, perf- a personal preference. I get it. Uh, I appreciate that, and I think a lot of people have whatever decisions they're going to make about going to games. I would encourage you to go to games. I don't have a problem with going to games. I, I, all I want as someone who would, if I'm uh, someone in that boat, and if I'm a fan, if I watch them, I want to see a team that has a chance to compete. That's where the energy comes from. That's where the passion comes from. And honestly, that's where the interest and interest translates into money, too. Uh, if you're successful with a team, you're going to make a lot more money than you would otherwise. So, you know, that's that's the thing. They have to make that the number one reason. And right now, my only complaint is I don't know what, what direction I think they're headed. Uh, to repeat what I said earlier, if you looked into some of the national reporting, uh, there are two reports out there that indicate the Pirates actually first wanted legit current players on teams' rosters. 
They wanted Davis from the Mets, Margot from the Padres, according to these reports, and were rebuffed. They did not get what they wanted, so they ended up going high-ceiling 19-year-old. I don't know what's really true there because you can't get a direct answer. Some people who report will say that. Other people will, will say other things. All I know is if you're looking at this year and you try to get excited about this year, your excitement le- le- level took a hit when you lost Marte. And, you know, say what you want. I understand uh, lazy at times. I understand base running blunders at times. What I do see, though, is a 285 average with 23 home runs and 80-plus runs batted in, 25 steals, and a gold glove or two out there. So that, to me, is a guy I, I like watching when he's in the lineup, even though sometimes he can be a problem on the base pass. But if you're just going to get rid of him and bring in two 19-year-old guys who, by their own admission, are several years away, so what are you doing for 2020? You know, that's my thing. Uh, I've I've been around it long enough that I don't want to keep waiting year after year. Or bri- you hear this term bridge to this. Bridge to where? 412-928-9370. That is the number to call. Uh, let's know what you think about all of these issues. And, again, the tonight it's uh, Palomalu, it's uh, Vanica. I would expect both to get in. What a summer it would be if you'd had four Steeler uh, people enshrined into the Hall of Fame. And it could very well be that way. Donnie Shell, after years of waiting, and I had to go through this. Long wait, finally gets in, and I thought he was certainly somebody due to get into the Hall of Fame. I think Bill Cowher certainly made it because of the centennial. This was a big year, and he timed it right. He was available when they decided they were going to put more people in. You can debate whether or not his resume is Hall of Fame worthy. I know a lot of people think it isn't. I personally think it is. I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm the anti Deion Sanders. I'm not opposed to more people getting in who I think have, and you can argue. Like some people here on Twitter have done, it's not the Hall of Very Good. Again, only 326 guys are in. That's since 1963. Do you know how many players have played in the NFL since 1963? Thousands and thousands and thousands, and only 326 are in. I still think it's the best of the best. You can debate all you want, and that's what shows like this are for any show you listen to. But I'm I'm to the point where I, I look at some of these resumes, I see a lot of and longevity is something that I, I admire in a player. I know longevity is something that people think does not add to a resume. You know, you, you talk about some of the guys you see out there who have long running back uh, credentials because they've been in the league for a long time, and the numbers start piling up because of the longevity. Well, longevity is, plays a role for me. That means you're on a team and you're contributing to a team, and you have uh, numbers because you've been around. If you're not good enough, they're not going to put you in. So I think longevity is an asset. Some people think it's a detraction. Well, that's an opinion. That's what we do on these shows. We have different opinions. 412-928-9370 is the number to call. Again, big thank you to Allegheny Health Network, PNC Bank, Number 1 Cochran, Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman, Ireland Contracting, irelandcontracting.com is the number to call. We have more calls all the way until 1 o'clock, so call that number, 412-928-9370, but also call PNC Bank today. Make today the day, because PNC Bank is committed to those who are rooting for the home team. And with their virtual wallet, which is a great thing that you should get into if you don't already have it, it is life-changing when it comes to your finances. You'll get a breakdown of your budget. You'll see how much is scheduled out for bills, how much is left to spend. So you're going to know when it's time to buy tickets to the big game. To learn more, visit pnc.com slash virtual wallet. PNC Bank, make today the day. PNC Bank, National Association member, FDIC.
All right, welcome back. We continue here until 1 o'clock today on a wonderful weekend of sports. A lot of stuff going on today. It's the Super Bowl tomorrow and a big hockey game tomorrow, 1230, down in the nation's capital, the Penguins and the Capitals, who currently are on top of the Metropolitan Division, bringing a very physical style of hockey to the rink each and every night. And they got some issues to deal with, the Penguins do, in terms of how they slow that down, that forecheck. Well, the best way to do it is to get help from the goalie, and certainly Tristan Jari has shown that, his ability to handle the puck, which is one of the reasons why I think the Penguins really like what he's been able to do. Not only has he come up with timely saves, but he's made uh, the work of the defenseman a little easier, and I think that's always very important, especially against a team that plays physical like Washington does. 412-928-9370. Get your hockey calls here. Whatever you want to talk about is fine for the next uh, 30 minutes. Bill joins us right now. Bill is on 93.7 The Fan. What's up, Bill? How are you? Hey, Bob. Uh, enjoy the show. Listen to you every weekend. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Um, hey, I just give me 20 seconds here to get this out. I, you know, you're talking about you're talking about a salary floor, and I'm not against that. But here, here's the reality of the situation. Um, Nutting and his fellow owners at the bottom of the at the heap you know say the bottom 10 owners in terms of local tv revenue they have to get together and basically lock these guys out lock the union out and renegotiate but the problem is is when they go to do that the players union is going to they're going to find some judge uh, that's going to be on their side, and they're going to take it to court. And some pro-union judge is going to say, "Yeah, the, you know, you can't do that." And then at the end of the day, they're going to have to appeal it and take it all the way to the Supreme Court so that they can get a contract in place where all of the major league teams share their local TV money. Well, that's that's the and, problem right and there. Well, then you can have a floor, and then you can have a cap, and then if that doesn't work, they have to be willing to just create their own league well, and forget about it. That's not going to happen. That's it. And it's, that's why, and in, in I don't think we're ever going to see it, Bill, and it's frustrating to me, but thank you for the call. Kevin Gorman of the Trib does a great job with his columns, also heard, of course, on this station, is still around. So, um, you know, this this whole idea of a floor is a good idea, except it won't ever get done. To me, you got to have it, Kevin. I'm... It's just it, there are too many excuses that allow teams to constantly do whatever they want. Uh, they could spend as little as they want, as much as they want. But if you choose to, sh- you know, spend as little as you want, there's no one there to tell you not to. And there should be. It should be a floor minimum, but there should be a cap too. But I don't think we're ever going to see that. He draws up the the scenario that it would take, and it would be an ugly, painful work stoppage that would take many years. I think. Yeah, and you know the thing is, nobody really wants a work stoppage in baseball. We've experienced that before, and they're they're uh, they're very difficult because it's kind of the off season for so many of the other sports that there's this real lull and gap in, in what's going on in sports. And so baseball knows that it has that to its advantage that it, it's its biggest months are during the seasons when you know hockey and basketball are over and football hasn't started yet. And so they, they you know there's a bit of a monopoly in, in terms of the summertime uh, viewing. I think when you talk about the floor and the ceiling, the small market teams that operate below the certain threshold are is just as big a culprits 
as the teams that spend near the the, the luxury tax. Um, so as much as some people like to blame the big market teams for their ridiculous amount of spending, um, you know, some of that money, there's a windfall that comes with that. That's oh, some, yeah. of the, that's some of the money that the Pirates... I, I don't think it. people understand just how bad the Pirates, uh, as a franchise, not as a Major League Baseball team, but as a franchise, how far beyond the, beyond, behind the times they are in terms of their facilities and the upgrades that they have to make. And so, and, and I don't say that as an excuse. I say that I, I think this, this is a franchise that was neglected for a long, long time. And now we're seeing a franchise that now is trying to get itself back to the point where it can actually be you know, sustainable, but they're also trying to be competitive at the major league level and trying to rebuild from the bottom up in the minor league level. And it's it, hard to do both. It, it's hard to do both without somebody who's willing to spend. Right. And, and when I say spend, I mean willing to lose money. Somebody who's willing to say, I'm going to make a long-term investment with the hope that it pays off and that what Bob Nutting paid for this team and what he's going to get if he eventually sells this team, there's certain there's going to be a huge windfall for him. And his family, when when they when they if they ultimately ever do that, but um, yeah, it, it's it's disheartening. It's it's very disheartening because this is a great baseball town, and but it's not as good of a baseball town as it needs to be. And that, that's the shame of it. This is a beautiful baseball town. We've got one of the best ballparks in America. We've got Major League Baseball coming to what is now considered a small small uh, market. But we also, as baseball fans need to be more supportive of the Pirates, and they've given the, the fans no reason to do so. That's where it starts. It doesn't work the other way around. It has to start with exactly. you showing them that you're serious, and then they will be serious about spending more. Let's go out to Larry in Apollo, who may have a dissenting viewpoint here. What's up, Larry? How are you? Hi. Uh, thanks for taking your call, Bob. Sure. Uh, real quickly, um, i got to tell you, I'm really excited about the Pirates season this year, the most I've been in years, maybe since McCutcheon came up. And I've been watching baseball since, well, I saw Willie Mace at a home run at Forbes Field. Why are you but, optimistic? I'm excited because, man, it's just a fresh start. And for years I've been just sitting here saying, okay, they're just going along and going along, trying to put Band-Aids on. This year, to me, it has nothing to do with the players. This year, if you want to call it a transition year or whatever, is all about management and coaches. And I'm so looking forward to see what happens, almost as much as watching the game itself and see how the game, how the trades are made, how the, uh, the on-field management takes place. Uh, so I'm real, I haven't been to games in years. I'm going to go to games this year to see how it shakes out with this new change. All right, so Larry, you're, you're okay with the change, and I think Bob Nutting made changes because he felt people like you were being heard from a lot. You know, people mm-hmm. wanted to see that change. But that change right. can only take you so far because, to me – and Kevin, you can chime in here too, but it, it, it matters what you have to work with. And if you're not willing to go out and add to a product, then chances are, no matter how good of a manager you are, no matter how good of a general manager you are, you cannot get what you ultimately need. You need commitments from the top down. And that commitment to me extends to a willingness to spend more on the actual product that's up here at this parent club. You can talk about all the other stuff you want, and that's fine. And ultimately, to me, if you're going to be competitive, you have to be tremendous at drafting, developing, all of that. I get it. But if you, even if you're average at that, you can still bring in people to offset maybe a mistake or two you've made by spending some money on it. If you're unwilling to do that, I don't know who – does it matter who the manager is at that point? I don't know. 
I, I think. Well, Good. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely, I agree. That's why, in terms of management and things, I'm also looking not only at the flow from top bottom, but in management, but in management from the flow up. What influence are is the new GM, are the coaches uh, going to have on nutting and how the team functions as a whole? Is there going to be a an ebb and flow of um, productive baseball? Yeah, I think that's fair. Thank you, Larry, for the call. I think it is fair to give this this group a chance, and I'm I'm very willing to see what they're able to do. But this first trade to me is not exactly what I was looking forward. Um, you know, I, I I felt like they were going to make a trade, Kevin, but I thought this trade, after reading some of the reports, and this is what I'm basing it on, that they they originally had in, targeted guys who were on major league rosters, and when they were rebuffed, they ended up going the other direction. So then my question is, what direction are they headed? Yeah, I, I think it comes becomes an issue, Bob, of uh, honesty versus transparency. And some of the people brought up how the Pirates have not been as transparent as they, they said they would be in terms of how they're talking around the idea of a rebuild or a teardown or whatever. Um, I, I do believe that, and, and this is where I give Ben Charrington credit, and you know, and Travis Williams and Bob Nutting above him and Derek Shelton and all of those below him, that I do believe that this is a Pirates organization that right now is taking a real honest look at who they are and what they have. And I think they're getting honest feedback from other major league teams is that it doesn't matter who you have. We don't have to give up. If you're if you know if you're making it very um, obvious to everyone that you're going to trade starting Marte, you're not going to get the return that you want. If you think you're going to get a major league catcher who's a starting caliber catcher, and a top prospect in return, you're not going to get that. Would you, you have think... waited then? If you didn't get what you liked, you still have the option of waiting. He has two more years left on the contract. Yeah, the, the thing about it, I, I think he probably would have been more valuable at the trade deadline. But then at, at that point, you might be you might be pulling the rug out from under the, the fans in the middle of the season. If, say the Pirates uh, go into July flirting with 500 again. Yeah, but we've seen that that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Sure. You can still make a trade that you think is going to help, and it turns out not to be anywhere near. But it, near. it also could be devastating to that team's chances if you, if you take your best all-around player like Marte would be and trade him while you're in a pennant chase. At that point, I wouldn't care. If, if my objective is to get the best offer for Starling Marte, I don't care what the situation is. Yeah. And to I, me, it wouldn't matter if they were in a, in a, in a hunt for something. Yeah. I know people at the time would be upset. But if my goal, see, that's why I want to know what the goal is right now. What is the goal? I don't know. I think part of the goal was to to get rid of starting Marte and get as high in the prospects as they could get in return. I think I think the Pirates started out hoping to get some guys that could help at the major league level or soon. You know, if they were getting a Triple A prospect that could be here within the year or so, mm-hmm. um, I, I think they just took the best offer they could get and, and got rid of themselves a guy that they finished last with, even though he had a career year. I, I really truly believe that that this wasn't about the salary. And this was not about the return. You don't think this had anything to do with salary? Well, I mean, obviously he was their highest paid player, but I don't. I mean, when you're when you're talking about a, what was the salary went from sixty million to fifty or fifty to forty three? All the or more something reason like why I would be concerned about that. I don't want people to. But, but I mean, you know, for for a guy of Marte's caliber to make eleven and a half million dollars, he was his his production was outweighing his payroll. Really? Cost, I think so. I th- I at eleven and a half million dollars, I, I look I at think, him as a bargain. That's what I'm saying. His production was outweighing what they cost him to pay him. You know, it, I think. So I why think, not keep him and then try to, you know? Well, because I, I think they look wait. at it as like they're they're not going to be competitive with or without him. And I, I th- that's what I'm saying. Well, I think it's an honest assessment. They're basically saying, 
you know, starting Marte means more to a contender than he does to this club. And, you know, what's the point of paying him $11.5 million when we, the, the problem is the Pirates have to sink the money back into the into the Major League payroll and the Major League roster, the 25-man roster. I mean, that's that's where the money has to go eventually. And, and I'd, I'd be curious to see what people think of this idea, Bob. Imagine if the Pirates made a proposal and they said, if you buy a full-season ticket package, for every full-season ticket package you spend that you buy as a fan, we'll spend X amount of dollars on Major League payroll. <laughs> Do you think Pirates fans would buy in, Bob? Do you think Pirates fans would say, Okay, for if we sell a thousand season ticket packages, we're going to spend a million dollars. So if we spend five thousand, it's going to be five million. If we sell out the ballpark and we have the season, the this, this season sold out for the rest of the season, we're going to spend X amount of dollars and put that all into Major League Payroll. Do you think the fans would do it? Because I think there's real trust issues, and I think that's what the Pirates have to overcome more than anything is the trust issues between the fan base and well, the ownership. If that's the case, then you'd have to wonder, okay, what are they going to do with that money when they get it? It's one thing to get it. I'm not convinced they'll be spending it the right way. I mean, I just, it was a contract with your fans of saying for every season ticket package. It shouldn't we, work that way, though, Kevin. It no, goes it the other way. It should, You're supposed it, to get a product that people want to buy. Yeah. Then you can raise ticket prices as it becomes more popular. Then you can be in a position of demanding more. When you demand more and you're not offering as much, I think that's a problem, and therein lies the issue. They have The onus is on them to provide something no, I no want doubt. to pay. I don't want to. I'm not suggesting this is as a solution. I'm just saying no, I'd be curious. I, no, I'd be curious to see whether fans would be willing to buy in that way because it, it, that is the way it's supposed to work. Is that it should be a, a matter of supply and demand, and, and that when the Pirates see that many empty seats in their ballpark, especially late summer after the trade deadline, you know that that should be alarming. That shouldn't be something they say. Well, you know, here we go again. That should be something that's sounding off the alarms. And, and I do think it sounded off the alarms in the sense that almost everybody got fired. Right. But, but but originally that was not the intent. Well, it seemed to me it, it certainly looked like he he, he caved more than he, anything. He, right, right. Wouldn't you say? Because he gave a, a, a nutty, uh, Huntington a uh, vote of confidence right before and he, and he the gave him the leeway to, to conduct yeah, a to managerial conduct search. Everything yeah. going and what changed? So that's what's uh, that's a little confusing to me. Anyway, uh, I want to remind you here. We'll be on the air until one o'clock. Four one two nine two eight ninety three seventy. Give us a call. All right, welcome back. We roll along here on Sports Radio ninety three seven The Fan. Our show brought to you by Allegheny Health Network, Health for All. PNC Bank, make today the day. Number one Cochrane, ride in style with number one Cochrane. Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman, and Ireland Contracting. Visit IrelandContracting.com. Kevin, before I go back to the Lions counselor, hang on. Jeff, hang on. We're coming right to you. But I want to get your take on the Penguins right now because it is a big game, and it seems like the NHL has kind of uh, put all these big division games knowing what teams would be good in the last couple of months of the season, which I think is – Good, although I would have liked to have seen Washington a little earlier than February the second. Sure, but it certainly makes it a compelling strategy for the you know division and conference race as we get to, we get to the crunch time of the playoffs and everything. And, and I think this is a great measuring stick for the Penguins, is that you know the Washington uh, has kind of surpassed the Penguins in terms of being the uh, the, the team to beat. And uh, you know I, I think with Ovechkin playing, it's still still playing at such a high level. That that just adds to it is that you know that the Crosby Ovechkin storyline is still good to this day. So That's I, rare in sports. You're right. It, it is. I mean, you you wouldn't have imagined that in 2009 and 10, uh, 2008 and 9, when the Penguins were in the Stanley Cup final, that we'd still be talking about these guys a decade later as you know two of the best players in the game. I mean, you could argue that there are others that belong in that conversation, but they're still very, very much you know the face of the NHL. 
and, and with good reason. They des- they deserve it. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see. I don't like the system. Uh, I don't like the playoff system, but I've said that ever since it came out. I don't like seeing Washington-Pittsburgh hypothetically in the second round when it could be a conference final, whatever the case may be. That's what we deal with, and uh, the Penguins are going to have some issues to deal with. Goaltending down the road, both restricted guys. They have a Seattle... Uh, draft down the road, but that's not until after these guys get to this point. Um, so real quick, before I go back to these guys on the line, if you had to choose one, because ultimately it will come to that. Right now, no, you don't have to do it, and I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it until I absolutely have to. Which one of these two would you go with long-term? Well, long-term, I, I think Chris, Tristan Jari makes more sense financially, and I think he's also the hotter goalie at the moment. Uh, whether we'll see, let's just go you know, down the future here in the, in the next month or so. Is he going to continue to play this way under pressure when, when the stakes are raised? Is he going to be able to continue to play this way in the playoffs when there's a lot more pressure on the goalie and the scoring is probably not going to be nearly uh, as significant for the Penguins? And, and I think that's really what's going to determine everything. But it's interesting to me that the guy that was supposed to be Marc-Andre Fleury's successor someday was Tristan Jari, not Matt Murray, and that Matt Murray kind of not only forced his way into the starting mm-hmm. lineup – but also forced Marc-Andre Fleury's way out of town. And now his career, even though it includes two Stanley Cup championships, for which he was a significant factor, his career may be the stopgap between Fleury and <laughs> Jari, which is incredible if the storyline plays out that way. But um, I, I I think, you know, the last time I saw Matt Murray, he was getting the, the Bronx cheers, because like, I didn't go to last Yeah, which game. I thought was, you yeah. know, people have a right to do whatever they want, but I didn't think it was too soon in the game to do that. Um, he's done so many good things. I don't think that was merited. And I, I don't and, like and here, it here's my problem with it, more so than everything you brought up and what other people have brought up about, well, you know, the, the people can say, oh, the fans, this, the, the ticket gets you admittance to the game. It doesn't give you uh, license to behave like an idiot. Okay, you know, that's part of it. Well, they do have a right to boo. Booing never bothered but, me. But booing is different than, than the Bronx yeah, cheer. The Bronx, the Bronx cheer, cheer is disrespectful. You would expect that at, but, from another but, team. But the, I can understand the Bronx cheer comes when Murray's allowed two goals in the first three minutes against the worst team in the league. It was against the Boston Bruins, and it was against David Pasternak, Pasternak is the thirty-seventh goal, goal of the yeah. season, and it was a fantastic goal at that. I mean, he, he wasn't letting in soft goals. And so the game to speak. had just begun. He was perfect the rest and, of the and day. And they came out flying. I mean, they right. came out you know like gangbusters. So I, I'll never understand that how the fans have such a hot and cold love hate relationship with the goalies. And and how you know Mark Andre Fleury had to deal with that. I, I don't know that Matt Murray's built the same way. I, I think that I think that Fleury, you know, was able to just kind of smile through the adversity. And I don't know that Matt Murray's going to be the type of guy. I think he's a little more the type of guy is going to give you a little pushback or the no comment, which well, I thought was the appropriate action for him to take. But I thought it was I, I thought that, I thought it spoke volumes by saying no comment. I don't have anything to say about the fans. You know, I Mark thought he Andre Fleury might have smiled through it. Yeah, yeah, I thought he made his statement after that cheer happened because he didn't allow another goal the rest of the oh, way. He was fantastic. Right? I mean, the only, well, goal, the only goal he allowed was Jack Johnson's right. own goal. And Jack Johnson made his own statement by scoring the shorthander. So, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I looked at that. was That's what I wrote about was the two of them was kind of the redemption game that they played was the two guys that I would say they're probably the two biggest lightning rods on this team, Jack Johnson defensively and Mac Murray in goal. And, and they've both had their moments where they've either been benched or healthy scratch. And uh, and so for those guys to come back, I, I think that was a turning point in the season for those two. I I, I think it's, well it's one of those things where it's like Jack Johnson has been pretty good though. Yeah, I mean, he's been. You know, I, I know he's not been what Penguins fans wanted, but he may have been. And this is going to sound weird. He may have been exactly what the Penguins needed to get through 
the Latang and Dumoulin injuries and the Schultz injuries, that you, you have a guy who's a veteran guy who's mm-hmm. been through the wars and can go Great out point. there and be solid if unspectacular. And in that game, he was spectacular. Let's go to Counselor. Joins us on line one. What's up, Counselor? How are you? Hi, Bob. Hi, uh, Kevin. Listen, the problem I see with the Pirates is they seem to make the same mistakes more uh, again and again. And I'll give you the example. It's with this current trade. We paid a million and a half up of um, uh, Marte's salary. Okay? That means the prospects have got to be – one of them's got to move up more than the seventh and ninth best prospect in the Arizona um, farm system. Because here's what I – they did the same thing, only in the reverse. When they traded Francisco Lariano, they didn't want to pay any of his salary. So we had to give up two prospects. Now, here's where the irony is. That second prospect, or whatever you want to call it, was Reese McGuire. And we tried, apparently, allegedly, tried to get Reese McGuire out of Toronto. Okay? And they said, oh, no, we're happy. We're happy with our current uh, catchers because they, we got that Mealy or one of, one of them came there who's hitting 180. They're, they're, one, all, they're all below the line. but Yeah, right. But, I mean, one of them is hitting 180. And the, and the knock, the reason why they said, uh, don't worry about Throwing in Reese McGuire, he's strictly a defensive catcher. He'll never hit more than two one two hundred. He's hit he hit two sixty one last yep. year in the majors. All right, counselor, I got to run. What I'm saying. Thanks. I want to get Jeff on, and then we'll uh, give Kevin the last word here. What's up, Jeff? How are you? Hi, gentlemen. Uh, I was going to comment about Marte. I agree with you, Bob. I, I think what happened with the trade is a travesty. It is a total salary dump. If they really wanted to trade Marte, and I'm not totally against them trading him, but you hold out until you get a better deal. If you wanted the, t- the tier prospects they got, you tell me they couldn't get that at the trade deadline next year, next year's trade lit deadline. So why trade him now? And, and if the rationale is we're going to stink, yeah, okay, we're going to stink, but you at least hold out for a better package. And if you're not going to get a better package, then you might as well let him play because he's one of your best players. I, I just don't understand the logic of dumping him at this point for prospects that aren't top tier. Now, if they were higher level prospects, I totally get it. And as a fan, I mean, I'm angry. I, I was a 30-year season ticket holder at, with our family, and we don't go. We don't go to the games anymore. I'm tired of it. All right, Jeff, thank you. So, Kevin, that's what that's how fans look at it. And I think generally I understand it because it's happened too many times. My only thing is it depends on, again, I'd like to know specifically where they're headed here. If they wanted Major League prospect or Major League guys ready, which apparently they did, and they didn't get them, then obviously you're not getting what you originally want, and then you backfall into plan B, which is a couple of 19-year-old kids. And, again, we have seen too many examples of 19-year-old kids who have gone a lot of different directions. I hope they're both tremendous. I hope they turn out to be all-stars. But chances are they won't. Why not wait? We've, we've lived through the Mijay Cummings and the Jermaine Allensworths and the, uh, <laughs> you know, all, all the, 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 the guys that were supposed to be the next hopefuls to come through. I think Jeff kind of nailed, nailed it where they're, you know, this has become a riddle. And what the Pirates did by trading their best all-around player and then signing a guy named J.T. Riddle, uh, <laughs> that, that turns to be you know somewhat prophetic there. Um, but you know, I, th- I think if the Pirates had a better plan in place where it wasn't the possibility, which right now this could, things could change very dramatically here over the next couple of weeks. And I will remind people that the Pirates went out and uh, traded for Corey Dickerson during spring training to help replace Andrew McCutcheon. So things may not be as dire as they look right now, uh, but. 
if you're trying to propose the Pirates fans, hey, we want you to come and support this ball club, and your your solution to trading your best player, a two-time Gold Glover, uh, in center field is to have a platoon with a couple of light-hitting guys who were basically role players um, in, in, in Riddle and, and Heredia. That's not something that's going to entice the fans. The Pirates need to do more. They've freed up Martin. Do you think Tyler. they will? Real quick. I, I think they're going to do something. I, I don't. I don't think that, you know. This is almost like opening the season with JB Shuck as your starting center fielder, which was not by design, was by right. default. But the the Pirates have to do better. And you know, it was on the eve of spring training that they signed Melky Cabrera last year. It was a week and a half into spring training when they traded for Corey Dickerson the year before that. I think the Pirates have probably more moves moves to make. Uh, the the question is, right now their forty man roster is filled, so they're going to have to make more moves to create an opening there. But the Pirates know they have to do something. It, you you it, brought it, up the name Corey Dickerson. I was surprised that they let him go for so little. I think it was a mutual decision on that one. I don't. I, I think he wanted out as well. I think he's at the point in his career where he wants to play for a contender. And you know when the Pirates were no longer in contention, Corey Dickerson was more than happy to go to Philadelphia. Still a 300 hitter, uh, you'd have to get. Yeah, I, I would have won a Gold Glove in left field. I mean, right. the, the 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 silver lining in that one was that Brian Reynolds came in and and played at or above the Corey Dickerson you know level. So at, at eight million dollars less, and so that that's that's the part the Pirates are probably loving. But you know the, the problem is you can't expect. You can't expect, you can hope, you can't expect that Josh Bell is going to have a season as productive as he was last year. You can't expect that Brian Reynolds' second year is not going to take a step backwards the way that Polanco and Bells did. Uh, you can't you can't count on those things. You, you would hope that Kevin Newman is going to have another good year, but you know there's, there's no guarantees when it comes to that. So once again, we work with the margin of error, and that, that's, that seems to be the biggest error the Pirates are making. All right, Kevin, thanks for uh, spending some extra time. I appreciate that. Always a pleasure. Kevin Mark. Gorman, who's on the air here, and check out his columns in the Trib. Tab Douglas is coming up next. What seat do you want, his or mine? His. You want his. Okay. Get him out of here. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.